You're listening to episode 51 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today's episode we are exploring music therapy. What is it? Who is it for? And what benefits can it gift us? We also delve into understanding some fun and simple ways that we can maximise the joys of music in our day-to-day life with the children in our lives. So let's get this chat started. Dr Grace Thompson is a music therapist and senior lecturer at the University of Melbourne. Grace has worked with children, young people and families for over 20 years within the early childhood intervention and special education sector. In her clinical work, Grace developed a collaborative approach to music therapy practice with families guided by ecological theories and family-centred philosophy. Her research continues to explore the ways music therapists can foster relationships and social connection through participating in engaging and accessible music making. Grace is past president of the Australian Music Therapy Association and co-editor of the book, Music Therapy with Families, Therapeutic Approaches and Theoretical Perspectives. She's also currently an associate editor with the Nordic Journal of Music Therapy. Dr. Grace Thompson, welcome to Chat About Children. Hi, Sonia. Thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. And I know that the listeners are going to learn a lot from our chat today. So I'm very excited about what you have to share with us. So before we get into music therapy, I'd love to know a little bit about what led you to music therapy and being a music therapist. Mm. Well, I think, well, from a young age, I was always that kid who was singing, walking around the house, probably driving my parents crazy, singing little songs and singing for anybody who would come to the house. And I had a little ukulele. And I think that from a young age, I really learned that music was joyful and it made me feel good and it seemed to make other people feel good too. And I continued that. I learnt the piano as a young child and it's kind of interesting actually. I have a condition that meant I couldn't do dancing. I really wanted to do dancing when I was a child and my mum instead said, well, you can't do dancing, so what about piano lessons? And that also really continued, I guess, my understanding of how music really contributed to my mental health, my sense of well-being in the world, and also my sense of identity. And then I didn't hear about music therapy as a profession until I was, you know, nearly finished high school. And I kind of found my way into it through a Bachelor of Music. Fantastic. And thank you for sharing that story. That's quite inspirational. And it gives us obviously a big understanding of, I guess, your passion behind why you do what you do. So tell us a bit about what music therapy is for those who are listening that are wondering, what's it all about anyway? Yes, it's a bit of a tricky thing. So I might give a longer answer than you might be expecting. But I guess like me as a child, many of us understand that there's something about music that has a well-being dimension. And we might even say that the things that we do with music have a therapeutic aspect to them. You know, lots of people will listen to certain songs if they're feeling a bit flash, they'll know that music will change their mood. Or, you know, if people are feeling really energetic and they can't sleep, they might use music to help 
you know, get them to be in a more relaxed state. So intuitively, we all kind of have this understanding that music impacts us in some way. And that's almost like the very natural, everyday use of music in a therapeutic way. But music therapy is a profession and there's training and qualification around it. So I'm going to be making that distinction all the time in this conversation together, kind of what is it that we do in our everyday life and what is it that a qualified professional music therapist does? So perhaps I should say a little more about the profession. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) Right. Well, there's another trick here in our title because music therapy, if I think about another type of therapist, maybe a speech pathologist or a speech and language therapist, in that title, we understand that that therapist is working to maximise speech to help with communication. But in our title, music therapist is kind of funny because we're not helping people's music, which is what you would kind of expect in the title of a therapist, you know. In our case, music is the method that we use, the tool that we use. And it's our intervention approach then that we can use to assist with really quite a broad application of conditions that people experience. And we are thinking about people who are coming to see a therapist for therapeutic reasons. So perhaps the key areas that I might highlight for you about where a qualified music therapist would work would be looking to support people who have got rehabilitation kinds of needs, people who have had an injury of some sort due to an accident or from a disability. With children, there might be developmental focus to sort of maximise development, enhance development in some way. Or another aspect that's very important to music therapists is more emotional and psychological support and the benefits that go along with that. So depending on who you work with, the work as a music therapist can take you into those three quite different directions. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's quite broad too, not just in terms of context, but also the benefits that are felt. So if we want to focus on children, which is obvious, chat about children, yes. If we want to look at the pediatric population, are there certain pockets in the pediatric population that spring to mind, you go, yep, these are the populations we more frequently would work with? Yeah, absolutely. So we can look at hospital setting. First of all, so there are teams of music therapists. In actual fact, Australia is really special in this way that in every major paediatric hospital in Australia, there are teams of music therapists. So the music therapists there are working with pain, are working with adjustment after surgery and injury, and also take a developmental focus. And on top of that, are working with family well-being, emotional support and psychological support that goes along with that. The neonatal area in hospitals is also a place where you'll find music therapists. But outside of hospital settings, probably the most common area that you'll find music therapy is in special development schools and education. So working with children and young people who have developmental concerns as a result of disability or injury, that's a big area. And looking at kind of the older population of adolescents, we would be looking at mental health and supporting people who have mental illness and particularly around anxiety and depression. Yeah, absolutely. 
I'd imagine, and tell me obviously if I'm wrong, but I'd imagine those benefits you mentioned for the older adolescents would certainly be there for the younger too, right? It's really interesting. We don't often talk about mental health of children under 12. We tend to more talk about mental health of teenagers. And of course, many conditions such as anxiety and depression and other more serious illnesses emerge in adolescence and people are more aware of them. But I don't know if it's just me and my experience, but I'm certainly seeing a lot more younger children who are experiencing anxiety and stress and worry and concern. And certainly there are many worries that children are aware of these days. So I think that taking a preventative approach with that age group, really trying to promote a positive engagement in the world and strategies around how children can look after their own mental well-being is something that music can do in a very gentle and in a way that doesn't feel like you're receiving therapy, if that makes sense. It feels a bit more natural because it's a part of what children do. Yeah, and I imagine it's easily accessible, right? It's mostly easily accessible. Yeah, there are some children who will struggle. I mean, it's quite interesting that these days we access our music mostly online. So you do need a device these days. So there's a lot of children who engage in YouTube and different types of streaming services and, of course, you know, television and kind of other media. But if you're someone who doesn't have access to a device, that can be an equity issue for some young people. So it's something to keep in mind that actually for some young people, they're still relying on the radio and other forms of more publicly accessible music. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Is there such a thing as music therapy not being suited to some people? See, I just think it's suited to everyone, but I mean, you tell us. <laughs> well, you're probably a music lover. If Pretty I'm much. Hearing you right. <laughs> Yes. You know, most people have a very positive relationship with music. I think that is fair to say. Music is ubiquitous in many ways. You know, we go into venues and shops and so many places in the community. Music is accompanying everything that we do. Television shows and movies, you couldn't imagine them without a music soundtrack behind them. So, yes, I think in general, music is a very normal, natural part of life that many people enjoy. Where it gets interesting for music therapists is the association that people have with certain songs. So there are really powerful things that can happen that if you actually have a distressing experience or a bad memory, it can actually be associated with a piece of music or a genre or an artist that you might like. And so actually listening to that music can create distress. So it is something that we're aware of that actually is part of our work. We're kind of on the lookout for songs and styles of music that may not have a therapeutic benefit for the children and young people that we're working with. So that's something that perhaps is lesser known. While you might love music, not all music might make you feel good. Well, yeah, well, that makes sense. Well, I think that makes sense because different music will make you feel different ways. And for me, sometimes I think I'll kind of, well, I think I use music therapeutically. There'll be days where I'll be like, you know what? I don't need words. I just want the music, you know, and on comes all the classical stuff or whatever it might be. But is that part of, I guess, that proactive approach in 
in knowing how to use music in the everyday for the everyday kind of context, how to use it as a tool for self. Is that what you were referring to when you were kind of looking at the younger age group and taking that more proactive approach? Mm, Absolutely. You know, in terms of prevention, I think having knowledge and awareness, you know, how you're feeling, especially for children, you know, we talk about that emotional intelligence and for them to be able to say, how am I feeling today? And how do I want to feel? So as soon as we start to think like that, we're on a much healthier track. And so to actually have that sense of like purpose and intention, I'm feeling this. I think I'll listen to this type of music today. I mean, I think that's almost a dream for me as a music therapist, if young people and children could be more aware of that. On the flip side, it can be really, some children and young people fall into quite bad habits that they might use music listening to reinforce a a darker mood or emotion and almost ruminate on that darker emotion. And music almost supports that rumination. So bringing that intention and awareness to your emotional state and the fact that you might want to move out of that emotional state after, you know, I mean, we all like to sit with a sad feeling from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that, but you don't want to necessarily stay there for weeks. Yeah. That's absolutely what we mean by having that preventative approach. Yeah, definitely. So Tell me what a music therapy session could entail. Obviously, it's going to be different depending on you know, who you're working with. But in general, what's the format kind of look like? On sound like? Should I say sound like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like. Absolutely. Well, I might talk more specifically now, I guess, about my area of specialty, which is working with autistic children and young people. And so for me, what a music therapy session sounds like and looks like is it's very active. We actually use instruments. I play piano, the guitar, keyboard and singing and percussion instruments. So for me, the use of live music rather than recorded music is a key part of what my sessions are going to look and sound like. And the children and young people I work with have not necessarily had music training. But the way that we use those instruments, like drumming together, singing together, playing other types of instruments, is all about that social interaction and being aware of another person and the cognitive processes that sit behind that. So you'll hear us making music and it's through those interactions of playing together that's where the therapy is taking place. And that's my role, I guess, as a music therapist to sort of facilitate um, how this is going to kind of play out for the young person and what kinds of experiences I'll offer to them and invite them into in their playing. And there's a lot of connection, even the way you're describing it. It really just describes connection, which is often what we're after, you know, when working with children and particularly children that are on the spectrum. So What happens in between those sessions? Tell us a little bit more about, I guess, the format. Well, that's a really good point. And I also kind of want to add to that, I guess, that music therapy is about the relationship between the players in the session, the therapist, the child, perhaps their family or peers who might be there too. So there's a distinction there between kind of what music does to us, like in terms of, you know, physiologically, 
and the way we use it with other people. So this is kind of plays out. So after we've had this great session together where there's been lots of interacting and music making together, we're looking for ways that the child and young person can continue that without the therapist. I mean, that's always the trick with therapy is do you need the therapist to be there all the time? Yeah. So with young children, in my work, having the family involved in the therapy is super important. And often we're working on developing kind of musical play, musical games, if you like. For me, play is the work of children. That's how they learn and develop. And so musical play is a domain that we often forget about. So when we make up little games together in the music therapy room, the parents love to take these games into their everyday life and they continue to grow and develop. So parents tell me wonderful things like, oh, we used what you did in the session. We used this when it was dinner time and this is how it worked for us. So the whole family is almost understanding the interactive benefit of including music more in the home. For older children, of course, they don't need their mums and dads to be hanging around all the time. So it's about giving that young person strategies that they can do without the therapist as well. It might be writing song lyrics to express how they're feeling. It might be using technology, different platforms that they can write beats and compose music with. And you don't need to have had music training to be able to use these programs anymore. It's quite extraordinary. And how they put playlists together and how they support their own music listening. So we're always looking for that link to everyday life and hoping that what we do in the therapy space is, of course, boosting development, boosting emotional well-being as well. Yes, yes, definitely. So earlier you described some of the broader benefits of music therapy what kind of like really specific results can you share with us and whether you need to draw upon a case or a couple of cases that you can think of just to help us understand, well, this is what the child kind of presented with to start with. And then with the complement of music therapy, this is what we saw change over that time. Share a bit of that with us. Yeah. Okay. I think in looking at the benefits of music therapy, any therapy relationship is always based around the goals that you had for the child. So a child would come and see me with a certain goal from the family or from, you know, the school or the hospital, wherever they were coming from. So it's really important to make that distinction that therapists are working towards individual goals. And it's also fair to say, and I think this is important to say, music therapists don't cure conditions. So, you know, we can't cure, you know, incredibly complex health conditions and various disabilities. So what do children gain from seeing a music therapist? Well, the types of goals that I'm often working on are around social interaction. So the social domain, there's a lot in there. It's around being able to read people's cues. It's about being able to initiate social interaction. It's about being able to concentrate and stay focused on the social environment. So hopefully you can kind of imagine that the domain of music here provides a really rich learning opportunity for all of those social kind of elements of our life. So through the music, 
the children's social development is actually being enhanced. The children are learning, if you like, how to stay engaged socially. And over time, there are absolutely benefits that generalise to other parts of their life. Absolutely. On another level is communication. That would also be perhaps, a, you know, an equally common goal that we have. Now, interesting things happen here in terms of communication. For some children, being able to use their voice and make any sound with their voice, with the encouragement from a music therapist, opens up the possibility to communication. We've been able to support children to actually develop the use of their voice and language through songs. And often the case is that it's easier to sing than to speak. It's more motivating to practice vocal exercises in a song and in music than it is without. So we also see a lot of development in the use of words and language through music therapy. The other thing that I would say is around the emotional, you know, and this is also quite complicated. I might focus on anxiety, but for children who might have that real sense of anxiety in their life and worry, being able to come into music therapy and have an experience that is deeply relaxing and engaging for them is something that, again, over time, helps their anxiety to ease and helps them to feel more empowered to take control over their anxiety. There are so many possibilities here with music. And so you'll find that music therapists will specialize in certain areas. And so if you, were, if you have an autistic child, you'd be really wanting to go and see a music therapist with that more developmental expertise. And if you have a child who really is struggling with mental health, be really looking for a therapist who specialises in, in that side of things. Yeah, it makes sense. And I think with our audience, there's a lot of obviously parents and carers listening and a lot of educators listening. And I feel that sometimes, well, I know this, working with so many parents, that there's a sense of overwhelm already, you know, with the number of choices they have around accessing different therapies. And that's yeah. a real challenge and can be so overwhelming in itself. And yeah. so it would be great if you could give us a few simple ways, because I imagine people listening are kind of going, when would I need to reach out and perhaps contact a music therapist? How do I know that this is what my child needs? Help us understand kind of those real markers that are going to help parents know that. And for educators too, because they're often the ones in the front line saying to parents, you know what? we think a referral to a music therapist is going to be great for, you know, little Johnny. Mm. Yeah. What are those markers that we need to know to help us understand that? Oh, that's a fantastic consideration for parents. Absolutely. Because yeah, the choices are enormous in our society at the moment. I certainly acknowledge that. Well, I think that music therapy is kind of really shines with children and young people who are not really comfortable or able to communicate fully. So if you get a sense that your child is really particularly distressed and is not able to engage in, say, verbal counselling and verbal therapy, it's kind of like, well, what do you do? How do you help your child to express their emotions and start to process their emotions too? So in those cases, I think that music 
therapy offers something quite distinct because there's so many expressive possibilities that don't have to rely on words. Words are certainly important for processing, but you can start without having to rely on verbal language. Similarly, for other kind of conditions around disability, when we have children, I've worked with so many children where, you know, they just won't sit still for quite long enough to do anything that might be remotely educational. <laughs> yes, yes. No, lots of kids like that. Yep. Yeah. So to get children to engage, even for the shortest amount of time, is perhaps one of the biggest challenges for educators and parents for children with certain types of conditions. So again, I think this is where music therapy is really worth a shot because again, through music, you can be meeting that kind of sensory demand. Children who want to run, jump, make lots of noise and the music therapy can accompany their energy level and really co-regulate the child so that we can meet their energy level where they're at and through the music activities, we co-regulate and help the child to reach a place where they're ready to pay attention, to listen, to try a learning activity. So I've run many sessions where the first half of the session is a lot of running around, jumping, singing, dancing, beating drums. And then we seem to get this amazing 10 minutes in the middle where we can really focus on something around cognition, speech and language, social interaction, waiting for your turn, the hardest thing to do. And yeah. you're ready to do that at that point. That, absolutely. So music is a great way to help a child get to a state of readiness. Absolutely. And so through that, you know, children can then start to really build on those skills because if they're not actually able to experience success in that sense, then you're really kind of fighting an uphill battle. Those few minutes of success in the middle of a music therapy session is something that can be built on. And I think parents and educators who come into our sessions with us can also then see that, oh, I also have to support the child to be in this place where they're ready to learn and where they're ready to interact with me. Yes, and that's the absolute fundamental, isn't it? Getting that attention and then getting them ready to learn and take information on. And yeah, we completely, completely relate to that. And I'm kind of, with my speech pathology hat on, I completely relate to that as a prerequisite. So in terms of the period of time that one accesses music therapy, is it similar to other therapies where it's just as long as, as is required, different for everybody? Is it implemented in an ongoing format or in block sessions? Is there any kind of structured way that that works or is it just free flow? Yeah, I mean, I think all of what you've said can apply to music therapy. I would say that, you know, the therapeutic relationship is something to consider. So it's quite unusual for children to benefit from a single session because you need, they need to get to know the therapist and the therapist needs to get to know the child. So, you know, I would say that you kind of need to go through that period of getting to know each other. Some people will call that an assessment time and then a period of working. So you know, for young children, I think kind of around 10 sessions is something that's pretty standard. And then it really from there depends on sort of the types of goals that the child has and the complexity of the disability or health condition that they might be experiencing. Although it's also fair to just note that people who are working in paediatrics in hospital settings, 
you may only have one session with the child because they're then discharged from hospital. Mm. So the therapists working in those settings are working in a different way. It's more about immediate relief. It might be immediate relief from pain or anxiety. And it also might be about providing the child and family with ideas for home. So they might be times when a single session are totally, is totally appropriate. Yep. Yep. Cause that's geared at a different purpose, I guess, in that environment. Exactly. So are there different or specific types of music used all the time and like some that you just totally avoid? Like how does it work when you're kind of choosing genres or instruments or things like that? Oh, I love this question. I love it. So this kind of relates a little bit to the expectations that we have of music, that it's going to do something to us, you know? And so there's like a prescriptive element to it. Now, On one level, that's true. You know, if you want to relax, I can certainly say to you that you should choose music with certain characteristics. But the way children relax is quite different to the way adults relax. So we often use music with quite a prominent beat and rhythm. So that predictability and also children kind of entrain to that beat and rhythm. And there's something incredibly comforting and secure about that. So I would say we probably use rhythmic music quite a lot with children. Beyond that, the preference of the person is super important. So if you have a preference for a certain style or artist, we kind of are working with your likes and dislikes because, again, if you don't like the song, like the music, you're not going to hang around and listen to it. And that's also the case for children. So we're kind of balanced personal preference with the characteristics of the music itself and I guess that's really a big part of what we do in our work. And is part of it introducing them to different types of music and musical instruments because I imagine if a child you mentioned drumming before if they've never done that and they come in and they're drumming and they're loving it and then you play something and you say hey listen to the drums in there like that would probably spark a new interest right? Yeah, absolutely. It's an interesting crossover between music therapy and music education, I guess. You know, music therapists wouldn't say that we're teaching music, but there's no doubt that music skills develop along the way because their children are exposed, therefore, to the music. So I've certainly noticed that children become really great in terms of their auditory acuity because of music therapy. You know, it's a sad case that actually many of the children that I've worked with, when I bring my guitar into the session, it's the first time they've interacted with a live guitar. They've seen guitars on television and YouTube and all that kind of thing. But suddenly here's this guitar and they just want to touch it and they can feel it. They can feel the vibration of it. So it's also wonderful for them to be engaged in sounds and vibrations as well. And I really, so many of the children, their parents have called me in sort of years to come. My area of specialty is early childhood and I haven't moved house for like 20 years. So people are still able to find me. That's a good thing, right? (laughs) Possibly. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. (laughs) That's fine. But yeah, parents have said, guess what? My child who, you know, we never thought would have music lessons is now engaging in music education and they're playing music so I think it's a beautiful connection to everyday life that through music therapy children are then discovering an interest a passion a hobby 
even a profession that can continue into their adult life. And of course, for me, I believe there's continued well-being benefits of that too. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Just, I know we're getting toward the end of our chat here, but I do want to know with the everyday, and I'm very much about practical strategies, what would you suggest would be a great thing for parents and carers that, to do in a very easy way where I guess we can incorporate music in a therapeutic, positive well-being kind of a way? Wonderful. Okay. I'm going to give a couple of little things here around music listening. So the first thing is to draw attention to the way the music makes you feel and link that to what's happening in the house. So, for example, if it's, you know, a certain part of the household routine for sort of primary school and younger age children, it's like what music should we play now to support us to have a bath or get ready for dinner, cook the dinner, go to bed? And make that really overt link for the children between the music and their emotion and ask them, how does it make you feel? How does this music make your body feel? And draw their attention to that. Another thing around similar lines is to keep trying to introduce variety. And I'm speaking here particularly to parents of children with disabilities. Some children with disabilities really love certain music and it's like this is their love and this is all they love and please don't anyone change what I love. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and unfortunately what can happen there is that children don't continue to add to that repertoire. So one thing that I say to parents is please don't take their children's music away from them. Respect the fact that that's their favourite music but make sure that you have a turn and say, okay, it's mum's turn, it's dad's turn, it's your brother or sister's turn now, it's their turn to choose a song. And even if you just get to play 10 seconds of it, and I know for some children that's hard to listen even a little bit to somebody else's music, but make it fun, make it light and enjoyable and keep introducing new pieces to them. It often takes like three or four times and then you might find that your child adds that to their preferred music repertoire. And the reason why this is super important with young people is you have to, children in particular, is you're almost thinking ahead to when they're older children. If you think about for some children with disabilities, if they're a teenager and they're still enjoying more children's repertoire, that can be a social barrier then in the future. So you kind of want to make sure that your child is able to accept and listen to different types of music because it could be a really great way for them to make friends and continue their social connections then when they're teenagers. Yes. And last thing, can I get one more thing in? Please, yes. Make sure in your family that you just muck around with music. Make up silly songs, compose them yourself, show your creativity with children and encourage them to do that too. So my daughter wrote her first song when she was three years old And it was called Listen to My Butt Noises. (laughs) I can still remember it. I can still sing it for you now. It had us all in stitches laughing. And I think it's sort of a way for you to show your personality through creative expression as well, which is, it's a beautiful way to get to know each other in the family. Absolutely. And I think I love what you've described and 
it kind of brings back memories of my childhood and even with my children today. We have so much fun with music and it does bring a different type of engagement and interaction and level of fun. So I think they're wonderful messages and advice there. So thank you for that. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, if someone is keen to find a qualified music therapist, how do they do that? Yes. Well, there's actually very few of us in Australia. There's around five to 600 music therapists across the country. So the best way to find us is to go through the Australian Music Therapy Association website. And they have a little tool on the website that's called Find a Therapist. And you can search in terms of your location. You can search in terms of the therapist's specialty. And also they have NDIS, whether they're an NDIS provider. So what's wonderful about that is you can guarantee that everybody listed on that website is registered with the Australian Music Therapy Association and therefore has an appropriate qualification and that they continue to do their professional development. So like any therapist, we have a set of regulations, a code of ethics, all of that. So hopefully you find someone, you will have probably better chances if you're in a major city. But at the moment, there's also a lot of people doing telehealth And yes, it can work for music therapy to be online as well. We've had amazing success in a way that we didn't think was possible, but our therapists are incredibly creative individuals. And so those options are now also available to people. Yeah, that's fantastic. And we want to be able to access all of this. So telehealth has been amazing. So I'm sure in this chat, you've probably got a few people thinking, oh, maybe music therapy is for me as a profession, what would they need as a prerequisite? Okay, well, you need to have a bachelor degree first. So to be a music therapist now in Australia is a master's qualification. So you don't have to have a bachelor of music though, that's the good news, but you do have to have high level music skills. So if you're someone who's playing an instrument, you know, performing, keep doing that and complete a relevant bachelor degree, which might be in a health area, and then you can apply. There's only two places where you can do your training in Australia. That's the University of Melbourne and Western Sydney University. So they will have more information about the details there. But really, I guess, you know, what you need to be a music therapist is a love of music, a passion for live music, And so we want you to be able to sing and play an instrument in a way that's engaging and kind of inviting so that the people that you're working with, whether they be children, adults, older adults, want to join in with the music. Sounds like fun. Any final take-home messages for parents, carers and or educators? I think remember that music is a domain of play. And to be playful with music, I think, is the greatest gift that you can give any child or young person. And also for parents and educators, you might find that you get benefit from this as well. So I don't know, I might be revealing too much about myself as a mum, but sometimes I was a little bit bored building blocks or drawing pictures. I wasn't as engaged in those activities. But when you're mucking around with music, dancing, moving, sharing your favorite music with your children you're connecting on a different level so i guess that would be my take-home message remember that music is also a domain of play 
that is super important for all of us. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Dr. Grace Thompson. Thank you for joining Chat About Children. My pleasure. An insightful chat there with Dr. Grace Thompson. I certainly do have a strong appreciation for the important and wonderful work that music therapists do in the community. So thank you so much. Now, please do remember to share this episode with family, friends and with colleagues who you know will benefit from the information. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast as well and leave a rating and a review. You can access today's show notes at chataboutchildren.com as well. Thank you so much for your attention. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. www.chataboutchildren.com.